It's me, Ellie Krug, on Hidden Edges Radio on AM 950. And I am calling, I am calling you. No, I'm talking to you live, live. We're getting to do another live show. Um, the station is, is um, enjoying me so much that they're giving me more live shows. We're not going to go totally live, um, in part due to my schedule. But you're hearing from me live today. And good Sunday afternoon on a freezing Sunday yet again in the Twin Cities. I'm thrilled to be here with you. For those of you who have never heard this show before and heard this voice, please let me just explain. I know regular listeners, you're like sick of this, but anyway, yes, my name is Ellie Krug. Yes, I sound like a man on the radio. And the answer for that, the reason for that is I'm one of the relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world. That and $3.43 will get you a cup of hot chocolate at Caribou. We have a great show here. Oh, and you just heard one of my uh, guests uh, laughing. We have two people from the Pride Institute, which is a LGBTQ addiction treatment uh, program facility, which they will explain to you. They are here on the show I, as an asterisk. I let, need to let everybody know they are also a brand new sponsor of Hidden Edges Radio, which I'm quite thankful for, but I'd have them on the show even if they weren't a sponsor. I have two guests here, Angie Grassley, who is the Director of Community Relations, and Cade Finn, who is the, uh, an alcohol and drug counselor at um, the Pride Institute's Intense Outpatient Program in Minneapolis. Angie and Cade, welcome to Hidden Edges Radio. Hey, thanks Thank for having you. us. We are thrilled to have you here. And... Um, and why don't uh, you tell me, why don't you tell our listeners here, what is it um, that the Pride Institute does? Maybe start out with how long you've been around. Sure. Okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Pride Institute opened its doors in 1986, actually, in response to the AIDS epidemic that was happening with our community. Um, it really created a safe space for people to come together and um, have a sp safe space where it was okay to, to be LGBTQ. And... Well, in 1986, that was a tough haul. Yeah, it yep. was a place to be when it wasn't even okay to be gay at that time, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. And so it was pretty progressive in that um, we we started and it evolved into an alcohol and drug treatment center. And so today what we have is we have a 42-bed residential treatment program that people live there 24 hours a day. There's 24-hour nursing, techs, counselors, mental health. You know, it's just the whole gamut. Yeah, and um, but we, in a resident, it, it's in a it's in a, a park like setting. Yeah, I would say it's a it's a residential kind of feel, right? And yep. we, it's not institutionalized like our name says, but mm -hmm. it uh, definitely feels like home for a lot of our clients. And um, we also offer a partial hospitalization level of care there, um, which is the clients go to programming all day long, but then they have the option to stay at a house that we have. Uh, in Eden Prairie, and they stay there at that house um, about 5 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock at night, depending on when they want to go over. Yep. But the programming itself stays the same. Okay. And then we have our intensive outpatient program where Cade works, and that's in Uptown Minneapolis right now. And we offer um, groups three hours at a time for three to five times a week. And they go there, practice some skills on coping. They get some relapse prevention skills. They, um, they just kind of really start to independently work their program and start – the triage that was happening in re residential gets shifted over into here. We can be more intensive about the work because um, it's more independent with local providers, right. mental health therapists, psychiatrists, all that kind of stuff is incorporated in that. And let us, uh, before we forget, um, you're opening a new intense outpatient center in Rochester. Is Rochester, that right? Rochester, Minnesota. Yes. All right. Talk about that, will you? Because, you know, you got the... I mean, you got the Mayo down there, and you got people thinking, well, the Mayo has the market covered on everything. So you're showing up in Rochester. And yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we are opening up. We have an open house coming this Tuesday. Um, so if you all want to come out and visit, that'd be awesome. Okay. It's from 11 to 2. And okay, so listeners, if you're 
if you're in the Rochester area and listening to us live stream because our signal does not go that far, um, or if you know somebody in the Ro- in this would yeah. actually be in the southern Minnesota area, yeah. not just Rochester. Mankato, people are coming yep. from Mankato. They're coming from Mason City, Iowa. I mean, they're coming from, I'm hearing they're coming from everywhere just to kind of check it out, right? Because we're bringing something to Rochester that hasn't been there before, right? We're bringing LGBTQ healthcare or yep. some setting um, yep. that is LGBTQ exclusive, right? And that area is in dire need for the LGBTQ um, services for addiction, for mental health, for, for all of it. And really just working with the people who are already in the community, working with our population to provide the care that we had here down in another region. Okay. So um, before I, we go any further, Angie and Kate, yeah. I want to make sure listeners, we're live. Hey, that means you can call in. Hey, please do that. Our number is 952-946-6205. I always say that. I'm pointing at the number as if you could see that while I'm doing it. Um, We would love to have you call in. If you're LGBTQ, if you are LGBTQ and you have an addiction issue, or if you know of someone who is LGBTQ with an addiction issue and you're trying to find strategies on how to help that person, please give us a call at 952-946-6205. We also need to say, and Cade, we're going to get to you. You're a licensed um, alcohol and drug counselor, mm-hmm. but we need to make clear to our listeners that we can't provide therapy over the air as much as I would like to, but we can't. But all right. So, Cade, can you explain to us a little bit why it is that the Pride Institute is so important as it relates to you being, you know, someone being LGBTQ and having an addiction issue? What what is it about um, having a, a safe space, as Angie talked about? Why does it help for um, that community, our community? Mm-hmm. So. I always tell my clients um, it's not necessarily um, a must, right, to go to a culturally specific program like the Pride Institute if you identify as LGBTQ. However, I think it can be really beneficial to go to the Pride Institute where there is that safe space, where you can be who you are. Um, I find that a lot of people don't necessarily understand LGBTQ issues, right? So not only are you having that shame and that stigma from addiction, but then also that shame and the stigma from being a part of the community, the LGBTQ community too. So having that space where you can be yourself um, and actually work through that. Um, and is all- that because the, in, in your experience, the shame and the stigma are feeding the addictions to a certain degree? Oh, absolutely. Um, 30% of individuals who identify in the LGBTQ community have substance abuse issues. That would and, be, I'd be one of them. Yep. Yeah. And um, in relation, uh, as opposed to 9% of the general population, oh, right? Okay. That's so, a, quite a swing. Okay. Yes. That is a huge swing. I would say 30% is a large number. Um, there's obviously many factors that go into that, but obviously oppression um, and stigma and shame definitely go with that. We've come a long ways, obviously, since 1986, right? But we have a long ways to go. Well, let me just tell you, I just came back from a road trip that I took through the South, a 10-day road trip, in part to talk to LGBTQ people about what it's like to live in the South. And you know what? While we live here in the bubble in the Twin Cities, and for us, a lot of things that we take for granted, let me just tell you, those things are not taken for granted in other places. And, and in some places, they're not even possible. And, um, well, I can go on about that. So, um, listeners, if you want, please call in at 952-946-6205. We are also on Facebook Live, and you can send us comments on Facebook Live. Yes, we're all waving to you as you're driving in your car. And, um, and, and please give us a call. You, how often do you get the opportunity to talk to people who are associated with dealing with addiction generally, but with LGBTQ issues related to addiction? And I know, I just know from my experience, we have people listening who are LGBTQ, who are struggling with a host of different addictions. And does the Pride Institute only concern drug and alcohol addictions, or does it also cover other addiction, addictive behaviors, Angie? Mm, good question. Um, yeah, so we, our primary focus has to be substance use, right? So the substance use is the primary focus, but we can address issues with sexual compulsivity, um, 
mental health, uh, depression, anxiety, the things that go along with the substance use, right? Because we don't get just a plain old alcoholic anymore with no mental health concerns or no um, acting out kind of other behaviors, right? They kind of all right. go hand in hand. They're intertwined. Yep, they are. And so that's part of the work at the residential level care for sure is trying to figure out ways that we can undo the um, intersection of the tooth, right? So we have mental health and substance use. How do we pull those two things apart so we can address both the sexual health component and the um, substance use? How do we pull those apart so we can, um, somebody can have a healthy sexual life and not use substances in order to be able to have sex kind of thing. So Right. Okay. Sorry, can I say sex on the air? Yes, you <laughs> okay. can say sex on the air. We just can't get a little too too specific so that's all, yeah. on that. That's all. And for listeners, I, I you know I made a mention just a few seconds ago um, about you know the fact that uh, and I've been I've I've spoken about this before on Hidden Edges Radio that I I am I'm sober I'm sober 31 months. It's not very long in terms of the length of sobriety, but I'm. But I'm not afraid to talk about it because I do believe that if we don't talk about it, if we keep it hidden, you know, it doesn't help anybody. I mean, and and frankly, me talking about my sobriety actually reinforces. For example, on my road trip, you know, I went, I was in a liquor store. I did pass a bottle of Chardonnay, which did seem to have my name on it. But then I knew that I'd have the two of you on this show. Mm. And guess what? One thing I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Mm. I'm not going to be on this show talking about sobriety while I know that I'm drinking. Correct. So um, I see that we have a caller, David, from San Francisco, who is – that's quite wonderful. But David will have to wait till we come back from our break. Um, I've been speaking with uh, Angie Grassley and Cade Finn from the Pride Institute. Uh, we've been talking about uh, some of their programming and about being LGBTQ and having addictions. When we come back, we'll talk with them some more. You can call in at 952-946-6205. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug, um, with Hidden Edges Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple, or email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com. When we come back, we'll do more of this talking. Please call in. Thanks. Bye. Get ready for the 2018 Blue State Ball. Hi there, Matt McNeil encouraging you to join us for a great annual tradition for Democrats and like-minded left-leaning individuals. The Blue State Ball is set for Saturday, March 10th at the same great location we were at last year, the Blaisdell Mansion in Minneapolis. Coming back to the Twin Cities are two of the station's favorites, Tom Hartman and Norman Goldman. We'll begin the evening with a VIP event starting at 5.30 with hors d'oeuvres and drinks. And at 7 p.m., the general admission begins. With it being an election year, we are expecting a ton of special political guests. And as always, Mike McAtee, many of the great weekend hosts, and myself will be there too. Hang out with great Democrats, check out the sponsor table, and enjoy the rousing speeches taking us into the evening. VIP tickets are $100 each and are limited. General admission tickets are $35 each. Go to am950radio.com for ticket information. That's am950radio.com, Saturday, March 10th at the Blaisdell, 2322 Blaisdell Avenue in Minneapolis. It's the 2018 Blue State Ball. We'll see you there. Bo's Tax Service on Ford Parkway in St. Paul has been preparing tax returns since 1971. They're one of the most successful independently owned tax services in the country with a diverse team of highly trained and screened tax preparation experts. Tax laws and forms are always changing, and you need someone who is a dedicated tax preparation professional. Visit www.mohstax.com. That's M-O-H-S tax.com. Or give them a call, 612-721-2026. Most Tax Service, they work for you, not the IRS. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Hello, I'm Dr. Vladimir von Surikov, the director and president of the Museum of Russian Art, which hosts the finest collection of Russian art in North America, as well as an award-winning gift shop, Izba. Unique gifts, artworks, and artisan-made products are sourced from artists and jewelers who use traditional Russian materials to create stunning pieces for purchase. Izba Gift Shop is on Facebook and Instagram. Our museum is at tmora.org. Visit Izba Gift Shop for that special gift you will cherish.
Hi, Matt McNeil, and it's one of my favorite times of the year. It's SUV month at Rudy Luther Toyota. The Highlander is an amazing vehicle. Features an available direct-injected 3.5-liter V6 engine, a bold look, space for up to eight, five USB ports, and tons of cargo space. Rudy Luther Toyota currently has 140 2018 Highlanders in stock, with financing as low as 0.9% for 60 months, plus the great Rudy Luther service I love. Stop by for SUV month at Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. And we are back on Hidden Edges Radio. I am your host, Ellie Krug. We're on AM 950. I have two really great guests here. We've been doing some laughing during our break. Angie Grassley and Cade Finn, both from the Pride Institute, which has a residential facility for drug and alcohol, um, uh, uh, specializing in the LGBTQ community. The res- residential facility is Eden Prairie. And now they're going to be opening an um, intense outpatient program in Rochester. We've got a caller on the line, David from San Francisco. David, you're on on the air. Do you have a question for Angie or Cade? Yeah, it, it was kind of a suggestion uh, uh, for a, a method of dealing with the problem. Um, I, what I was wondering about is, uh, and this might take a minute to set up, but it'll all come together in a, in a big plop. Um, Years ago, the uh, organized crime used to kind of control uh, gay bars and gay uh, lifestyle because they would not only own the bar that they would, you know, keep quiet, but they would also blackmail you. And so there was, a, you know, the real need to, to uh, out yourself was the relief of that blackmail, you know, that you could live your life free of blackmail. And uh, that was a, an income stream that was lost to organized crime. And uh, now organized crime is getting into insurance companies. And I'm wondering if, uh, if organized crime is starting... I, I heard you mention uh, you know, people who are still in the shadows, so to speak. Uh, and I'm wondering if um, cutting off... If, if organized crime is running the insurance companies, then they want to cut people off who have HIV because they're a, you know, a financial loss to them. And I'm just wondering if two angles of organized crime aren't crashing into each other. Okay, well, Does that da- make sense? All right. Well, David, thanks so very much for your call. Um, Angie and Kate, I don't know if I've ever heard the organized crime angle before. Um, uh, I mean, in, in in part, there's oppression, and of course, we know that Stonewall in 1969, that the Stonewall Inn was actually owned by the mafia, and that uh, the mafia was also paying off the police and, and all of that stuff. So um, I've never heard the organized crime angle on the insurance companies, although I think that some people would think that they were criminals, of course, but we don't need to get into that, okay? Um, so um, we're taking other callers at 952-946-6205, and if you're on the live stream, you can look down and you will see that there's a call-in number um, on the live stream, and you will also, you can send us messages on Facebook. So let's talk more about what's happening at the on your open house on Tuesday Mm -hmm. in Rochester. What time is it? What's the location? So people who are listening, they can either go themselves or relay the information to people in southern Minnesota. Sure. Yeah. So it's running from 11 to 2. Our address is 4104 18th Avenue Northwest in Rochester. And yeah, we hope to, we're partnering up with the diversity council that's already established down there. Um, They're great people. Um, We've been, you know, meeting with them and Torres and D, those are my um, people that I've been communicating with, and um, it's just been really nice. They're they, they're helping us kind of launch the the work that we're trying to do because it also supports the work that they're trying to do. Yep. Um, and just working with people and entities that are already working with our population and see how can we grow this, right? How can we provide a service in the area that's never been there before, um, and hope that it can grow, right? And hope that people can have. Um, the services that they need in the areas in which they live. Well, you know, I've spoken in Rochester on a number of occasions. The public library down there is very LGBTQ friendly, very much so. And 
Um, you know, I think that Rochester has kind of a reputation as being an intolerant place, but I, the people that I've met down in Rochester have been very open-minded, have been people that really want to push the envelope. So, right. so we're, we've been speaking to Angie Grassley and Cade Finn from the Pride Institute about LGBTQ people with addictions and about how the Pride Institute helps them. If you want, call us in at 952-946-6205. We would love to hear from you. I love being on live air versus it being... Uh, taped in advance, and I love hearing from my listeners, all four of you. <laughs> no, I think we have more than that at this point. So, so, Cade, tell me, what are the particular challenges that you face with working with um, LGBTQ patients? Um, you know, because, I mean, you've talked about the oppression, you've talked about the shame, but it's deeper than that. I mean, this is... This stuff is. We've got a society. I mean, they. I mean, if while they're at your at you know in IOP or in residential, if they all they have to do is go on social media. Maybe you don't let them do that. Maybe that's not part of the program. But they go on social media and they get beat down just by a presidential tweet. So what are yes. the challenges? Um, there. I mean, there's many challenges, obviously, that the LGBTQ community faces, and. Um, you know, I think residential and intensive outpatient services, we kind of deal with different things. My job working at the intensive outpatient program is really trying to um, teach my clients the skills, right, to be out in the world and to stay sober. And unfortunately, um, the sa a safe space that we all can congregate, that we feel safe, are bars, you know, going to Absolutely. a gay, gay bar. And so it's trying to find more things for people to do besides going to the bar. And it's really difficult to, to do that um, in the community because that's primarily where you can go, right? If you want to feel safe, go to the gay bar because everybody's going to, you know, there understands, right? Right, right. Well, and, and that is a big challenge. I mean, that was a challenge for me. And I'll tell you, since I've gotten sober, <laughs> you know, um, um, I... I've become far more isolated because I don't hang out in bars anymore. <clears throat> and of course, there are challenges associated with that. And, and I had a particularly tough time a couple of weeks ago, and, and I ended up going to an AA meeting for a booster. But you know what? It, one hour made it all the difference in the world for me. Mm -hmm. So um, please give us a call at 952-946-6205. We would love to hear from you. Love, we, I mean, you, how often do you get the opportunity to talk to people who are professionals dealing with addiction and dealing with people from the LGBTQ community who have addictions? And of course, you know, I mean, addictions go across the board. I will tell you, it's interesting that the, your statistic about 30% of the LGBTQ population having an you know, substance abuse addiction. You know, I'm also a lawyer on top of everything else. And the, and the legal community as well has 27% of the legal community has addiction issues, wow. substance abuse addictions issues. So, you know, I mean, and I don't know if there, I don't know if there's shame in being a lawyer as much as there's just gross um, pressure, you know, and people you know, go to uh, substances in order to, to deal with that. I see that we've got a call. Ashley has called in. We, Ashley, we will get back. We will get to you when we come back from our break. I've been speaking with, this is Ellie Krug. I've been speaking with Angie Grassley and Cade Finn from the Pride Institute talking about the phenomenal work that they do out at Pride. I have been out there on a number of occasions. I've spoken there before. I've been totally impressed um, by the by the uh, professionals there and um, and so if you like what you hear visit my website at elliekrug.com sign up for my newsletter the ripple people love the ripple or email me i haven't had an email for a long time email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com tell me what you like about the show or what you don't like we'll be back in a minute thanks Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. 
Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Hey, it's Mike McEntee, and I have a show on AM 950 Monday through Friday from 4 to 5 o'clock. It's a free-form hour of news, interviews, and your phone calls. We don't do 10-second sound bites and yelling and screaming about issues. That may make for great entertainment, but it really doesn't help to solve the real problems we face. We try to get the whole story and have an intelligent discussion. We also occasionally have a little fun. Listen in from 4 to 5 o'clock on AM 950 Radio. Hello, this is Ellen Krug from Hidden Edges Radio. When I'm not on the radio, I'm standing in front of audiences training about diversity and inclusion and on how to be welcoming to others who are different from us. More than ever, employers and organizations need professional diversity and inclusion training. I can offer that training through my company, Human Inspiration Works, LLC. I'd love to make your workplace or organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. This is Ken Hagland of Minnesota Hospice, inviting you to listen to our brand new show airing on AM 950 on Saturdays from noon to one. The Minnesota Hospice Show looks forward to discussing how we honor life and to exploring the physical, spiritual, mental, and emotional issues we experience throughout all stages of life. Learn how hospice is the new face of hope and how it's your benefit, your choice. Join us Saturdays at noon and check us out online at minnesotahospice.com. Mishad Cooley Erickson, a mechanical and electrical consulting engineering firm in Minneapolis, supports inclusivity by designing spaces for all user groups, honoring inclusivity and respect. These spaces include gender-neutral family restrooms and nursing mothers' rooms. For example, Mishad Cooley Erickson has designed lactation rooms for traveling mothers at the MSP International Airport. Designing these spaces has changed the expectations of similar facilities in airports around the country. Mishad Cooley Erickson designed safe and comfortable environments for occupants who are their number one priority. With your AM950 weather, I'm Sam Turnberg. Today will be sunny with a high near 17, wind chill as low as minus 17. Tonight will be mostly cloudy during the early evening, and tomorrow will be mostly sunny with a high near 12. The Downtown or Woodfire Grill is the Eat Local Minnesota Restaurant of the Week. It is the perfect choice for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Their menu is considered American Bistro with delicious options such as wood-fired pizza and daily fresh seafood specials. Located at 253 West 7th Street in downtown St. Paul, and see the full menu at downtownorwoodfire.com. back with this is ellie krug with hidden edges radio i've got two wonderful people from the pride institute angie grassley and cade finn um angie is the director of community relations cade is the, uh, an alcohol and drug counselor uh working specializing in intense outpatient programs and we've got a caller on the line and by the way other callers please call in at 952-946-6205 ashley is on the line from <laughs> newport and I'm impressed. Our two callers so far today have been, oh, I don't know, several thousand miles away from the Twin Cities, which is just great. It just shows you that this show is taking a national bend to it, which I'm quite thankful for. So, Ashley, sorry, I had to do some self-promotion. Ashley, you're on the line. How are you? Good. How are you today? I'm doing really great. Um, you, have a, you have a question about what a typical day would be like, um, but I don't want to step on your question. So go ahead. That's okay. I, I first want to thank Angie and Kate and all the work that they do at Pride Institute and all the work that Pride Institute does. Um, and then I'd also, yeah, I just, I'm curious about what a typical day is like um, for inpatient care um, at Pride Institute and some of the resources that they have available. Okay. Well, that's great. Thanks, Ash- Ashley. So Angie, do you want to handle that question? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for calling in, Ashley. 
Um, so a typical day at Pride Institute, the residential location, uh, clients wake up anywhere between 7, 7.30, and they get their meds, have breakfast as a community. And then we have a morning affirmations group in the morning where they give their goal for the day, their affirmation, and then that affirmation is then bounced back by the community to them. So if you say, I am strong, then the whole group says, you are strong, you know, and it's just like this sense of um, community, right, within yep. our own um Building, building a tribe. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And then they, uh, you know, we ask the clients to work out twice a day. So after that, they go work out in the gym um, and do volleyball or free weights or the treadmill or some type of um, activity to get the exercise, get it out. And then, um, then what we like to do is do a small group, right? This is a small, intimate group that these clients meet with every day um, for three hours, I believe, um, where they're talking about their timeline. They're talking about a question of the day. They're really like, this is the group that they meet with and um, become very close with, right? And what happens in that room feels like it's a family of sorts. And then uh, they break off, have lunch, and then uh, you'll the afternoon will be filled with other groups like psychoeducation groups, mental health groups. We're going to have grief and loss group or relapse prevention. Or, you know, there's like a gamut of different kind of programming that they have um, a part of their treatment plan. And then dinner, meetings, uh, and then they, you know, there's smoking, of course, so you can smoke at Pride. Uh, so there's smoke breaks. <laughs> I just want to know that because that's a really important yep, thing. Yep, that's important for some people, for some for people, sure. it's really important to know that. Um, but, yeah, just uh, a good, strong sense of community. And then the end of the night with um, reflections, right? We talk about how did our day go? Did we meet our goal? What was the day like? And then um, meditation, chill out, let's relax, do a little, you know, nighttime um, bringing it back down to right. be able to have that good sense of good, solid sleep and then wake up the next morning and, and do it again. So. Well, Angie, or Ashley, thanks for your call. We really appreciate it. We're looking for other exactly. callers at 952-946-6205. Angie, um, probably you're the one to answer this question. Um, <clears throat> how, how do you pay for the Pride Institute? What, you know, obviously I, I assume insurance, um, yeah. Uh, will pay for the stay, and how long is an average stay? Yeah, so uh, Pride Institute, uh, we take private health insurance like through a commercial, through your employer, um, through a family member. Um, so Blue Cross, Health Partners, any United Healthcare, any of those. Um, we also have a self-pay option where people can pay if they needed to uh, additional days if their insurance company doesn't allow okay. um, continued use. And we also. Um, which is unique, I think, to some of the uh, treatment we do is we allow Rule 25 or uh, Medicaid for some of our beds. And so what that is is it means that we're able to help those who don't have insurance necessarily through an employer because right. they don't have employment yet, um, but they're working <coughs> towards it or something like that. And so uh, we do also utilize the uh, Medicaid through in Minnesota. In a typical stay at the residential level of care, we're looking at 21, 28, maximum 45, um, really before the programming feels like – Everybody goes stir crazy, right? A little okay. bit where it's you're living in the same place with the same people for 45 days. It's a little much. Um, plus, we want you to move on, right? We want you to go on to that intensive outpatient. We want you to practice those skills and the independence and how do I do this recovery right. thing on life's terms? And you can't do that in a sheltered residential where you're being monitored 24 hours a day. You just can't practice it. And right. And so then, Cade, when they so do people go from residential and then they they enter into intense outpatient that's where you pick them up right and then how long are they in and and, and how how does uh, IOP work and then how long are they part of the IOP program um, so ours is typically a 12-week program, and it's broken down into 12 weeks um, because every week we talk about a different subject. Okay. So for example, this week, I the entire week we talked about grief and loss. Um, next week, we're going to talk about self-care, which is something that's really important. So that's kind of why it's broken down in 12 weeks. Um, like Angie said earlier, clients come between three to five days a week, um, depending on what level of care that they need. They don't always come for residential, but I would say probably like 80% of our clients come from residential, but otherwise it's just people that maybe don't need that higher level of care and they just need outpatient. Um, they're able to maintain sobriety for longer than five days. Right. Well, <laughs> well, and part of the residential is they're, they're sober. I mean, you know, and um, I know, not that I'm an expert by any stretch, but I mean, I had heard before I I got sober, and I certainly experienced it, that it took 
you know, four to five months for your brain chemistry to get rewired mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. the cravings start to, to diminish. I mean, so for four months, it was white knuckle at, you know, the drinking time every day for me. Mm-hmm. But eventually the cravings got lower. I mean, now 31 months in, I mean, I have my moments, but it's not like it was. Ten years in, you still got moments. So, you know what I mean? Okay. It doesn't really oh, go well, away. thanks it's, for letting me know yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's not as strong, but they're still there, right? And right, it's just, right. you got to be honest about that, right? Because I don't want, you. we don't want our clients to no. think that it's just, you're cured and it goes away. It's no. something, it's an everyday practice and we it's a recovery process. Right. And it just doesn't really end. It gets different. It doesn't get easier necessarily, it just gets different. So we'd love to hear from callers at 952-946-6205. Kate, let me ask you a question, okay? Not that this is all about Ellie Krug, but I do want to ask this and maybe get your thoughts. One of the reasons, I mean, a heavy reason that I drank was because I was alone. And alcohol was a really, really convenient friend for me. It was always there when I needed it. Of course, it created problems in my life. And one of the reasons I resisted getting sober was that I thought that I didn't know how I'd be able to deal with the loneliness. But what I found out once I got sober is that it was a lot easier to be lonely than it was when I was drinking because I didn't have the ups and downs and, and, and you know, the ups were wonderful, but the downs were horrible. And now everything is relatively even. Is that something that you've heard from other people that once you get sober, it's easier for you to deal with a lot of the stuff that comes your way versus... I, that, to me, sounds counterintuitive, but I, it, in my case, it works. Absolutely. I mean, why do people abuse drugs and alcohol to begin with? It's usually to cope with underlying issues, right, yeah. um, such as loneliness, for example. And like I said earlier, isolation is one of the biggest triggers that people have to use. Um, but I definitely see that it does get easier. Obviously, people don't like to feel those negative feelings. So at first, when people become sober, they have a very difficult time managing their emotions. Um, So that's part of my job is, okay, how can I help you actually deal with these negative feelings instead of going back to what you're used to, which is using? Right. You know, I'm feeling really sad, so I'm going to just go drink. Um, Instead of doing that, okay, I'm feeling sad, so I'm going to reach out to another sober peer or, you know, I'm going to maybe utilize some grounding techniques or meditation or some form of healthy coping skill. Um, And that's a big thing that I teach on a daily basis. Okay. Well, and and it all begins with honesty, doesn't it? Doesn't it at least all begin with with being honest that I'm addicted and that, you know, I mean... Uh, I'm, uh, you know, we've got the 12 steps and all that stuff, but the very first step is admitting that you're powerless as to alcohol or as to uh, a drug. And, um, but it, it takes extreme honesty. So Angie, before we, we've only got a couple of minutes left. Sure. I do want to come back to Southern Minnesota. Okay. Okay. Sure. And first of all, I want to say thank you to Pride Institute for being willing to go to Southern Minnesota because it is a different area. I mean, it is as far as LGBTQ people, you know, it, Rochester's 90 miles away. It could be 500 miles away from the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. So what was it strategy-wise? Why did Pride Institute want to go to Rochester versus going somewhere else in terms of expansion? Sure. Um, I think that uh, with the Mayo Clinic being down there and them um, providing services for the community on some capacity, um, there was definitely a need, right? The LGBTQ community is present there, but there isn't a voice there, right? And so um, Pride's mission, I guess, is to bring a voice to places that ne- doesn't necessarily have an LGBTQ voice, right? And I mean, maybe I'm not supposed to share this, but expect to see us going in different places, right? This is something that I, I want you to do. That. We want to do it, right? We want to be. Right? We've been safe, right? We've been safe in Eden Prairie. We've been safe in Minneapolis. We want right. to grow. We want to get bigger, and we want to be able to provide the services, the substance abuse services, to places across the nation that don't have the services that are we are offering. Well, you should talk to me about the South, where I just Great. took my road trip to. Yeah, and that actually will. is why I went to the South, because I wanted to go there to see what I could do to help people in the South. Right. So That's awesome. Yeah. So, all right. Well, I'm just, you know, I'm thrilled that you're doing that. And, um, and, and have you had any pushback in Rochester? Not yet. 
Okay. All right. Well, let's... <laughs> they're all like very excited to have us, right? Good. And that's what, what it's been a very welcoming uh, vibe. Okay. So far, so good. Okay. Well, that's great. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, Kate, how large are your IOP groups usually? Um, I mean, maximum 16 clients. Um, however, we usually typically are around 10 okay. each group. So and if somebody says, I don't want residential, but I do want IOP, can, can it work that way? Is that the way that can work? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we'll okay. do an assessment to tell and determine what level of care we think is most appropriate. And then they, it's always up to the client, right? This is your recovery. Your recovery looks different than my recovery, which looks different than Ellie's recovery, right? So it's different. Right, right. So Absolutely. it's up to you as a client. It's client-centered care. It's what we do. Yep. Um, but where we can talk about being LGBTQ, where that's on the table, there's no hiding, and, and we're talking about all of the issues associated with it. Is that right? Yeah, essentially it's through the lens, right? It's recovery through the lens of an LGBTQ person. Okay, okay. And I see that we've got a caller, um, Reverend Jack. Uh, Reverend Jack, I'm going to put you on for t- for 10 seconds because we're going to lose these folks very soon. But go ahead real quick. Do you have something to say? All right, I'll make it quick, my friend. I just wanted to say that I wanted to, you know, I, I liked what you said about after a few months of the cravings kind of getting a little bit easier and, it's true. I've been sober about six years. It's true that there's always moments, but for those that are still in those early stages of sobriety or trying to fight the good fight, it does, believe it or not, it really does get easier and it gets better. And if you stick it out, it's well worth it. Things will be better than you ever dreamed they could be. Thank if you. you. Just hang in there and fight it. So that's thanks. what I got. Okay. Thanks, Reverend Jack. Thank I really, that was really great. It's a great way to end. Mm-hmm. Angie and Kate, thank you so very much for being here. Thank you for the work that you're doing at Pride Institute. You go forward. When we come back, um, when we come back, I'll be back. Thanks for having <laughs> us. Thank you. At Pride Institute, being LGBTQ plus is the norm, not the exception. Their highly trained and skilled staff understand your issues and will help you live a happy, healthy life as a proud LGBTQ plus person. They offer you hope to overcome your addiction and live the life you want. Their treatment programs are designed to assist you in developing the knowledge, skills, and attitudes for long-term recovery. Therapy groups include health education, LGBTQ issues, HIV and chronic illness, trauma, grief and loss, transgender support, nicotine recovery, education, and sexual health. Pride Institute offers a residential treatment program, a partial hospitalization program that includes day programming with lodging, and an intensive outpatient program. If you or someone in your life could benefit from guidance and coping skills, life balance, and other tools necessary for long-term recovery, check them out at pridestaffinstitute.com or call 800-547-7433 now. While shopping for a fireplace insert at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, I was amazed at all the choices. Not just gas, electric, or wood-burning, but also built-in or freestanding, and options in every style from antique to modern. The staff really listened to us, explained the options, and helped us choose a fireplace we absolutely love. Now it warms our hearts and our home every winter. Thank you, Woodland Stoves, for a great addition. Hi, I'm Peter Solak, putting in a word for the EPA Burn Wise campaign. It has important information about clean burning fireplaces. This is an important part of our mission at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. We know that the fireplace has to work. Work with your life, work with your living space, and also be environmentally smart. Come see us. Learn to burn wise. We have over 35 working units on display at the corner of Riverside and East Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis. Visit our store in person or online at woodlandstoves.com. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. 
A fantastic lunch is waiting for you at Milton's, 36 and Douglas in Crystal. Start with their delicious wings, Milton-style, buffalo, barbecue, or naked. Or try their famous barbecue rib nachos. They've got great lunch options like their grilled sandwiches, the ribeye, the chicken, and the portobello mushroom. Try the fantastic fried egg with asparagus and kibata and their jerk chicken sandwich. Or change it up with a Milton's Cobb salad, a chopped jerk chicken salad, or their warm and satisfying soups. Lunch today will be delicious if you head to Milton's, 36 and Douglas in Friendly Crystal. Radio, we are back. Humans, what a great um, conversation with Angie Grassley and Cade Fenn from the Pride Institute. I have been there on uh, several occasions, as I said. It is a great place to be if you are LGBTQ and suffering from drug or alcohol addictions. Let me just tell you. And you know what? Uh, sometimes you need to get simply a timeout. And go to a place where you can forget about all the stuff that's barraging you. Okay, well, that was that. And, um, and thank you to all the callers who called in, particularly Reverend Jack. Thank you for that great comment at the end. That was just a really nice way to tie things up. All right, this is our last block uh, for the show, and it's uh, my Human is Human segment. And if you're a regular listener or a listener on LE 2.0 on Mondays at 7.30, yes, I have another, uh, one's not enough, I have another show on Monday mornings at 7.30, LE 2.0. You know that recently, as I, I think I may have mentioned in the other uh, part of the show here, that I took a trip across the South. I'm just back. I came back on Friday. It was a 3,300-mile trip. I spoke and did media um, appearances in Tallahassee, Birmingham, Alabama, at Ole Miss Law School in Oxford, Mississippi, at Vanderbilt Law School in Nashville, and at McKinney Law School in Indianapolis. I blogged about the trip as I went along, and if you have an interest in finding out what I found out along that trip, because my purpose of the trip was to get on the ground and speak to humans about what it means to be other. And it wasn't just LGBTQ-focused, it was focused at all humans, focused at people of color, people from marginalized communities. And if you want to find what I found out, I blogged about the trip, and you can go to my blog at elliekrug.com, and you can check out my blogs. I'd like to talk briefly now about an experience I had on my last stop, McKinney Law School at Indiana University in downtown Indianapolis. I spoke at, at McKinney about what it means to be transgender, that would be me, and particularly about the growing number of trans kids and young uh, trans adolescents. So we're up to our young trans teenagers. Indeed, uh, maybe some of you may have caught that there was a study last week out of the University of Minnesota, their Department of Human Sexuality, that reported on a survey of 80,000 Minnesota high school students in which... 3%, 2.8% of those students, so nearly 3% of those students identified as transgender or gender nonconforming. That is a lot of kids. So in my talk at McKinney, I spoke about parents of trans kids. And particularly, I love the parents of trans kids. Thank you for being supportive of your kids. But I am particularly enamored by the moms, the moms of trans kids. I call those moms Linuses, because they will do everything possible to protect their their child, and and trans parents, particularly trans moms, are showing up in schools demanding that bathrooms and locker rooms be accessible to their trans to their child. They advocate for them uh, their trans boy to join the Cub Scouts or the Boy Scouts or their trans daughter to be able to go to uh, the Brownies or the Girl Scouts, and then the, these. These parents, particularly the trans, uh, the lionesses, the moms, are showing up in courtrooms demanding that judge, judges sign orders allowing their child to change their name that conforms to their true gender identity and not to the, the gender that was assigned to them at birth by virtue of their genitalia. So when I spoke at the McKinney audiences, I said, I have this saying when I talk about trans ma, uh, about the parents of trans kids, I say, don't, don't try and fool around with them, particularly the moms, the Linuses, because those Linuses will win. You will lose. 
They won't give up until their kid is safe and allowed to live authentically. Um, and well, when I got done with that talk at McKinney, um, you know, people started to come up and line up uh, to talk to me afterwards. And I always appreciate when they do that. And at the end of the line was a woman, a woman in her late 30s or early 40s, a woman named Jamie. And she put her hand out. She told me that she loved my talk. And then she said, Ellie, I'm one of those Linuses. And she went on to explain that she has a transgender son. He's now in college. He's now a college student. But as he was growing up, she put her education on hold. So this woman is late 30s, early 40s. She put her education on hold so she could be there for her son and do what was necessary to protect him. And only now is Jamie going to law school. She's a first-year law student in her late 30s or early 40s. She so touched my heart in talking about the sacrifice that she made for her child. Now, I know that all parents sacrifice for their kids. It just is part of the territory. I know that. But I just want you to step back and think about what it was like in the 90s and and 2000s for trans kids in general, but particularly in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is in in southern Indiana. It is just about where the South ends and the Midwest begins. And I was there when I spoke at McKinney. I, I interacted with a number of LGBTQ uh, law students. I also interacted with a number of law students who are of color. And I learned it is different in Indiana. It is different in Indianapolis. It's not at all like the bubble here that we live in in the Twin Cities as it relates to LGBTQ. Um, we certainly still have problems with race and ethnicity here in the Twin Cities. So what I want to say is to the moms and dads of, te- of, of teens in general listening now, hang in there. And to the moms and dads of trans kids, I want to add one more thing. You go. Continue what you're doing to protect your child, your trans child. Do it. Keep doing what you're doing. And if you ever need a booster shot or a shoulder to lean on or an ear to bend, I am here for you. You can email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com or visit me on my website at elliekrug.com, and I will be there for you. You can contact me if you need a booster shot as as it relates to dealing with society as you're trying to protect your trans child. I care about you. I care about your child. I do. Actually, I care about all humans. I do. I care about you who are listening right now. I know that that sounds so cliche, but it's actually true. So, you've been listening to me, Ellen Krug, one of relatively few transgender radio hosts in the world with Hidden Edges Radio on AM 950. If you like what you hear, email me at hiddenedgesradio at gmail.com. I am so buoyed by the calls that we got, two of them from out of Minnesota. This, this show is getting a national, a national footing, and I'm just thrilled about that. A big thanks to our sponsors, the engineering firm of Michaud Cooley Erickson, the law firm of Zaylor Stout, and now two new sponsors, the Pride Institute, as well as Brending Electrolysis. Oh, my God, go to Bev and tell her I sent you because she does great work. We're looking for more sponsors, so please send the word. And if you want to get on board, please do. I'd love to have you. Big thanks to my producer, Eric Nelson. You rock. You do. And to you, my listeners, a big thank you. Um, Next week, it'll uh, be a tape show, but we'll be back. Take care. Bye.